What is up, everyone? Welcome to our special recording of First Seed Fantasy Podcast. It's not really that special. Uh, we're just happy to be here. Uh, I am Kyle Krajewski, joined by Mike Del Corso. It's on this side of me. And we're here. I, it's it's training camp, man. It's fantasy football. We're 11 days as of recording this uh, into August. And things are underway. We've got preseason football on right now as we speak. Mm-hmm. And things are moving. I am I'm excited. How about how are you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, the the whole month before fantasy, you, you just have this anxiety. You're so ready to go. And and thankfully it's filled by hard knocks, which we got our first episode of. And um I thought it was amazing. You being a Lions fan. Um, how, how did you like, like Dan Campbell? Like, I, I know you had to be loving that energy. So let me tell you, it's interesting because I fell in love with this man last year and it's, it's interesting because now being the, the lone Lions fan in all of our chats, uh, everybody's just like, well, the Lions, I love Dan Campbell. He's, he's great. Like I'd run through <laughs> a wall for him. And I'm just like, I've been willing to do that since he got hired. Because that man is just a ball of energy, and he's just a ball of he, – he's like football in man form. And <laughs> I, I don't know how else to describe it, but watching Hard Knocks and just seeing – actually watching training camp and how he coaches or just kind of like talks through with the team uh, and not to, not to reporters was exciting. Uh, I was amped throughout – uh, had a ton of laughs. I I actually really enjoyed his story of how he almost broke his wrist uh, and then had to go do up downs with the defense. But, oh man! But man, it's it was nice. It was great to see just good energy coming from the Detroit Lions camp because that is something I haven't felt in years. Yeah. And- how about you? How come, outside looking in as a non Lions fan? I, th- I thought it was incredible. You know, um, as an ex-player myself, you really want that coach that you can kind of get behind. And and it's really easy to see the ones that aren't being real with you. And this guy is definitely a player's coach, man. Like, it's just impossible to, like, be around him and not have energy, especially with the story you told me about the coffee he drinks every morning. I was blown away. I was like, dude, this man's heart. Like, two, um, two, ven- two venti coffees. Uh, both with, I think, two shots of espresso in them every morning. I think he explained that last year in a press conference. Oh, I think man. that equates to that equates to roughly 10 Red Bulls. And that is just that's madness. But you, you see it. That man is just he he's ready to go at any moment. Yeah, uh, man, I, I would love to see like what his home life is like. Like, is he that intense at home? You know, but uh, yeah, I, I loved I loved what they showed about him, and and I feel like that was mainly the episode. They really honed in on him, his background, what he's trying to push on the team and start the culture with, uh, which I think was already started last year. And his main word was grit. I love that. You know, um, we saw Jamal Williams get a little bit emotional, which was awesome. Uh, that's that's just a guy that you got to play for, you know. That's that's one of those motivators on the team. Like, 
so much energy, genuine good guy. That was awesome to see. He's a player after watching Hard Knocks, and I kind of knew this already, just kind of following the Lions beat. But he's a guy that I feel like just will stay on the roster, whether he I, I feel like other teams would probably cut him, but because he's such a character player and just the locker room like uplifter, I guess, I feel like that just kind of adds to his Im- immense value to the team. And he's a good player. I mean, uh, not discounting that at all, but I feel like just the energy and excitement he brings, uh, I think that's something that the Lions would look at and be like, yeah, we're stick it, we're keeping him around. Yeah, no, you can't you can't cut the man, you know, like you can't. And, and he's good. Like you said, he's good. So I, I, I absolutely love that. He got emotional. You saw Hutchinson's um, version of uh, what was the song, man? I loved it. Um, Billy Jean. Billy Jean. And, and it's really funny if anybody noticed he messed up the lyrics to start. And I thought that was so funny. And he came back in. The team was getting involved, man. Those are the best parts about camp. So I, I, I honestly wish they showed more of that on film um, instead of like, you know, you, you always get like the the sixth round, fifth round picks trying to make the team. It's like that aspect of the NFL you never really see, which is awesome. But I'd rather see like the messing around behind the scenes, like what they're playing in the hotel room. Are they playing video games? Like, yeah. is there any pranks going on, you know, so – I want to see. I I'm with you. I want to see the fun that the le- that the players are having, just like between everything. Like, yeah, I do. I enjoy the practice shots, but I want to see what they're doing, uh, walking to their cars. Like, what are they exactly. talking about? Like, like what fun do they have with each other, just on their own time? Yeah, and most of those teams actually don't go home. Home. They they stay at a hotel with everybody, so like they're away from their families. They're in a new area. Like, what do they do for dinner? Are they like, hey, let, that that place looks good. Let's go over there. Or like, you know, but I, Hard Knocks is amazing. We still have, I believe, three more episodes um, until the season gets underway. So it'll be exciting. I, I hope they show some more starters as well. You know, we didn't really see a lot of Swift. You didn't really see a lot of the receivers. You barely saw Goff other than in street clothes, you know. Um, but I, I'm guessing that will come as we go here. I can only imagine. I there's so much talent on this team. I feel like it's weird to say that about the lions. Uh, that felt weird speaking about talent on in Detroit, but either way, like there's so much, so many good players on this team that I hope they kind of like dive into some of them. Like, yeah, it's great watching Hutchinson him being a rookie and being playing for his hometown home state team. But at the same time, I want like, I want to learn about Swift. I want to see a little bit more of a Amon Ross St. Brown. I think every day after practice, he catches, I think it's like a hundred balls out of the, uh, the punter machine. Uh, I want to see some of that. I want to meet these people uh, because I personally, I, I mean, I have a little bit, but not even like not enough to enjoy them uh, other than Jamal Williams. That man is everywhere and he deserves to be. Yeah, they, they better keep him on camera. Give him a few more, like, audio bits here and there. They better just keep him mic'd up for the rest of camp. We'll leave it at that. Oh, yeah, and they will. We know they will. Um, <laughs> all right, moving on from Hard Knocks, uh, just a bit of picking and choosing of some player hype. Um, but I specifically saw – I picked two, uh, and I'll probably do this every week, where I pick some random player hype throughout the week. But – 
First one is that I saw some very good hype about AJ Brown, which is weird. I, I've got a few things to note on this. I've heard a lot of good hype about AJ Brown. He's performing well. Uh, Jalen Hurts is finding him very well, and, and they're connecting. Real like they're things are looking really good for AJ Brown, uh, and I love to hear that. I love the move or trade for him to go to Philly, uh, just for the what that does to the Philadelphia offense and what that does for. Jalen Hurts' ceiling, but also I feel like A.J. Brown just kind of gets to step in as the number one like he was. But I live, like, you and you and I both live in, like, the Philly area. Um, and I so I get Philly sports radio on my car when I'm driving to work. Uh, and let me tell you, they I think all they seek out is just bad Jalen Hurts, like, reports. Mm-hmm. Because all I heard all week was that he looks bad in training camp, that he's having an awful camp. But then I go on fantasy Twitter and it's all like, yeah, AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts, they're connecting, they're looking great. And I'm just like, what? Like, I don't, I truly don't know where to go and what to focus on. But I, it's tricky. But I think that's, I think you'd get that on any team. I think probably, I bet you Miami's looking at Tyreek and Tua and they're just like, no, this looks bad. Meanwhile, everybody else only sees the good stuff. Exactly. Yep. So it's tricky. I don't know how you feel about AJ Brown. Uh, seeing good vibes was promising to me. Uh, I liked him yeah. a little bit. I wasn't heavily targeting him, but I, I had nothing negative towards him. What about you? Yeah, no. I mean, AJ Brown. I, I love him, man. When I joined First Seed, my first article was honing in on AJ Brown in his rookie season, and I knew what he could do. Um, I, I love the man. I mean, I hate Philly. I hate the Eagles, um, so that's a that's going to be interesting to watch him twice a year. But he he is going to evolve that team, uh, and, and I think some of the training camp stuff is growing pains as well. Um, no offense to Devonta Smith and some of those other guys, but they're no AJ Brown, so it's going to take some time. And there's growing pains, and it, it's week one. You know, you can't really take it, uh, too much of the good, too much of the bad, a little bit here, a little bit there. So. I mean, I'm huge on A.J. Brown. I think he's going to be a stud this year. Um, I think if healthy, he's definitely locked in to be a top 20 receiver. Um, Obviously, right now, some of the rankings have him in the 10s, the 15 range, somewhere in there, um, which is warranted. You know, he's a freak. Uh, He's going to be the number one on that team. And um, you were talking about a lot of news coming out and – very high on him and very low on Jalen Hurts. And I was seeing the same thing. And I was like, what is going on here? Uh, I thought the, I thought the whole story was about AJ Brown coming in to make this easier for Jalen Hurts and that. And, and the, the focus really has been on Jalen Hurts. You know, he's getting a lot of uh, some tough, tough criticism over there, but that's just Philly, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, I think it's them. I think they had a sour taste on him last year, which is weird. I think he had a, spectacular season but i think they have a bit of a sour taste on him where they're like they i truly think they're seeking out negative negative implications on jalen hurts and just kind of like looking for reasons to root against him but it's weird philly's a weird sports town they're great they're fantastic fans but it's weird i'd have to disagree with you there but i I, I think they're good fans but i think (laughs) they're they're dedicated Let's just say that. They are dedicated, yes. Uh, Next bit of hype is all about Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I know in San Francisco, we see 
we, we've heard a bunch about Debo Samuel, how he got paid, uh, how he's basically essentially going to have probably the same role that he had last year. But uh, what I've been seeing is that one that IU looks great and that Trey Lance has gone on his own record to say that he's having, he's creating a good bond with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, and hearing that kind of brought me back to last year, uh, seeing that Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup are going on breakfast dates together. <laughs> so kind of, I like ever since that, it's just like, oh, there's a best friend, there's a best friend boost uh, to players. And right, right. I think this year it's probably going to be Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk because I, all week I've seen Brandon Ayuk looks great. I've seen some fan, spectacular catches by him in training camp and adding it, adding in the, the best friend boost as I'm calling it. Uh, I I'm, I'm game. I'm, I'm excited on him. Um, and I sneak peek, but I have something a little bit more to say about Ayuk, but have you, what have you seen any of this Ayuk hype? Uh, yeah, no, are you definitely. are you reading into it at all, or are you just like, oh, this is just um, yeah, it's it's kind of hard, you know. Um, I feel like with any rookie QB, not 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 only a rookie, but like first year starter type QB, like he's gonna have a lot of pressure on him, and I think you need that go to guy. I think every rookie QB has it. So like, yeah, I feel like that is a huge thing, you know, going to breakfast, uh, meet my family. Hang hang out, you know, that, that goes a long way. It, it, you don't think about it, but it really does. When it comes down to it, who do you trust? You know, Debo's going to lead that team in fantasy, all that good stuff, nothing to worry about there. But, yeah, Ayuk, I, I feel like, is going to crush his ADP this year based on the fact that hopefully he gets rid of whatever off-the-field shenanigans he had last year where he was, like, supposedly getting benched and he was – like refusing to do stuff during practice and small stuff like that. The guy's super talented. You know, you, you saw what he did his freshman year or rookie year without Debo when Debo got hurt. And like he was an eye opener. And nobody was even talking about Debo at that point. They were talking about Brandon Ayuk. And now here he comes again. You know, they're both going to be healthy coming into the year. And he's got a brand new quarterback. So yeah, that goes a long way. I've been seeing the tweets like, oh, yeah. Uh, the breakfast dates give you an automatic 10 plus to the ADP, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, I, 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 I just said before too, like take everything with a grain of salt. I, I like the breakfast dates, man. I think, I think that goes a long way, especially as an ex player and only breakfast dinner's a little weird, but breakfast, man, breakfast, breakfast, breakfast has some extra. I feel I, it takes a little bit more effort to go on like breakfast dates because not only are you going out to like eat with somebody, you're like you're going out, you're enjoying something, but you're waking up to do something with them. Exactly. <laughs> it says a lot to like prioritize your day and say, all right, I'm prepared to start my day with this person. Uh, so <laughs> I feel like breakfast. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I, I haven't seen that. Ayuk and Lance are going on breakfast dates, but. Stafford and Cup going on breakfast dates was game changing, but literally, right. yeah. And, and right now, I, I'm pulling it up as you're speaking here. Uh, looks like Ayuk is the 38th receiver off the board projected. I think I think he could sneak he could sneak a little bit higher there, possibly uh, find his way close to that wide receiver two range. Um, but yeah, I, I could see him inside the top 30. You know, it all comes down to how that offense is going to work. 
Um, is everybody going to stay healthy? Um, but I, I, I see that as a real possibility this year. I think Lance kind of opens up the playbook. So, All right, Mike, I got one piece of news that I didn't write down. This is a bit of a surprise to you. Uh, oh, no. but did you did you see this this fun tweet by uh, Antonio Brown? Oh man, it's uh, oh man, it's a lot. I don't know say. if you've read it yet, but it's essentially he's going. He it, it's weird because it's a quote that he tweets. It's a quoted picture that he tweets. My um, biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me Antonio Brown play a game live. Wow. Yeah, he he goes through he he lists his biggest he lists things that he probably should be regretful about and saying that he's not regretful about it, uh, and then he goes down and says, "Yeah, his biggest regret is that he'll never be able to get to see himself play live, uh, comparing himself uh, like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at Red Rocks." Wow, uh, I I yeah. just want your thoughts. I, this is a little. Off, off the record for him. Um, uh, off yeah, the yeah. Um, topic, but I want to. I just, <laughs> I mostly wanted to surprise you with this. What did? What do you think, dude? I, I actually was on my way home from work, and I had a few texts from people saying, "Oh, did you see what he said?" And I really didn't look into it because at this point, I don't think he's coming back to the NFL. <laughs> and look at the cop. <laughs> I mean, dude. Like at, at this point, I mean. He's got to sell himself. I don't think he's coming back to the NFL. I don't think anybody's taking a shot on him. Who would want that distraction at this point? At this point, it's been it's probably been a few weeks, few months that his name hasn't been in the media, and he's like, you know what? Let me get my name out there, you know? And, and you know what? You, these things usually get followed by some kind of marketing campaign for something. I bet you he's dropping a clothing line tomorrow. Or, or he's dropping something, you know, it, it's always just to get your name out there. So whatever ridiculous thing you can kind of say. And, and, and I mean, obviously he did his job. Everybody's probably clowning him right now. He got what he wanted. His name's out there for being a clown. But, you know, on, on the real side of it, it, it is very, very sad because to me, before all of this stuff, the guy was a Hall of Famer. And I would not put, I would not put him in the Hall of Fame right now, would you? Uh, it's, it's tricky because uh, you're right. He was, I mean, up to about two and a half years ago, he was what, without a doubt, what, the best, one of the best receivers to ever play the game. He was incredible. Yeah. And, and you can't take this, that away from him. I think can, he still is, but yeah, but it's, it's like, it's hard. It's hard to look at his recent actions and be like, yeah, this guy belongs in the hall of fame. I know. And, and it's hard to take it away from him because of that too. But to me, and it's kind of like everybody has their own Hall of Fame definition, you know. To me, it's like you got to be the example. Like, one, when you were in the league, were you the, one of the most dominant players of your position? I'd say yes every year that he played. Two, did people look up to you? Did people respect you? And that gets fishy because I don't know about that at this point. I mean, not only were his actions selfish, all about his ego, he was kind of affecting everybody else around him. And when you when you do that to other people, it's not okay. If you're gonna do your own thing, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are those are really my two main things. Like Hall of Fame, did people look up to you? Were you respected? Were you the example? And and he he never checked that off. You know, maybe in the beginning of his career, he just never checked that off for me. And it's getting worse and worse. So I mean, uh, yeah, that's 
he he's the biggest news uh week one training camp i guess now right yeah good job congrats antonio yeah. brown you did yeah, good job good job AB. your name's <laughs> out there again <laughs> all right transitioning from that excitement um <laughs> let's kind of get get to the meat of the of this episode i guess uh i want to talk with you about running back handcuffs and because i I know from previous years just playing with you, I think you and I have pretty different uh, pretty different strategies when it comes to handcuffs. Uh, mm-hmm. and just kind of, one, how you handle them, how you draft them, uh, if you draft them, and just kind of how you value them. So I, I'm just going to start off, I'll say my philosophy on uh, running back handcuffs is I don't, prioritize my own player handcuffs so i'll say this year for example if i'm drafting uh javante williams i'm not drafting melvin gordon or i'm not seeking out drafting melvin gordon i mean i like melvin gordon but i'm not saying i'm taking this guy because he's my handcuff uh or a better example is if i take dalvin cook i'm not in the later round saying i need to draft alexander madison i would rather be a non-cook owner and go and draft uh, Alexander Madison just because in my personal opinion, uh, I would get higher upside with Alexander Madison. If cook goes down and I have cook on my roster, then I get Alexander Madison. That's like a one for one. And I understand that philosophy, but if I am a, if I don't have Dalvin cook on my roster, and he goes down, and then I also have Alexander Madison, then I get an extra running back on my roster that's startable. And that's kind of how I view it, where you play to get more value on your team, and I think you get more value by having other players uh, handcuffs, pretty much. That, and you get the opportunity to trade them for extra value because somebody loses their running back and they're like, Oh, you have my handcuff. I'll give you extra for him. Exactly. That's, and then you profit either way. I think you profit by not having your own handcuffs. Um, so that's my, that's how I view them. Uh, and I think I, I don't know how you view them. Honestly, I think I know how you view them, but yeah. Um, I mean, for the past few years, it's been a little bit different. Um, with my handcuffs, uh, usually I had a very high draft pick. So, I mean, two years ago I had CMC. So, like, guys, there, there's only few guys that I would actually truly go and get their handcuffs. Now, you said you wouldn't take Madison with Dalvin Cook. That's somebody that I would prioritize. So, the way I see it is – if you have a stud running back, such as like a Camara, a Dalvin Cook, um, a Derrick Henry, if there is a for sure guy behind him that is going to be that number two, then yes, I would prioritize him, especially a running back with injury history. That's that's someone I would go after. But I have shifted over the years. I used to be very extreme with like get your own handcuff. I have shifted to more like your thought process where, you know what, handcuffs are valuable, but let me get the right ones. It doesn't necessarily have to be mine. Let me go get the right ones that I know, yeah, like maybe Madison doesn't play at all this year, but maybe somebody like a Kenneth Walker is going to be playing week two, week three, maybe, you know, the upside. So like 
guys like that. And we're going to get into that in a few seconds here, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the way I've shifted over the years. Um, unless you know who the number two is going to be, don't really worry about your own handcuff. That's, that's where I stand out as of today. And, and obviously we have some examples here we'll go through, but I am, I am kind of shifting there. So I, I think you taught me a little bit something over the years. So. I'm glad that I'm rubbing off on you. But yeah, the way I see it is like in round, I wish I had it up right now. I should have. Whatever round Alexander Madison is going in, you're basically either drafting somebody you're going to put on your bench in Alexander Madison, or you're drafting somebody who you could start. And that's kind of how I view, at least as the cook, uh, as the person who has cook on their roster. Um, Either way. So that's our, those are our thoughts on, uh, handcuffs and I think pretty different but also kind of the same um, we both get it but I wanted who all right so there's kind of there's a few different degrees of handcuff uh, running backs and so I kind of wanted to go through them with you the first being and you mentioned these guys uh, the Tony Pollard the AJ Dillon and Kareem Hunt group Mm-hmm. The those three in particular, there's probably a few more of those. Um, that those three guys who, yes, they're the backup, but they're also going to have their own role in this offense. Yes, I guess more specifically, uh, I we've seen it from all three of them. But for example, like Kareem Hunt was in like he was it was essentially like a sixty forty timeshare with Nick Chubb last year, mm-hmm. somewhere around there, and then. So like he was a start, he was a starting value. He was a solid flex play. Some player people were comfortable with him as their RB twos, and that's kind of like that's one degree of handcuff, uh, or I guess just running back is essentially what they are, where they're backups in a sense, but also are a piece of the starting offense. Right. Then you get your guys who are like the direct backups and are almost like top 10, maybe even top five to an extent, uh, top like that solid of players, uh, if they were the starting player. So for example, Alexander Madison is probably like that, like the best example. He's not the starter. He's not, he doesn't have standalone value every, any given week, but Mm -hmm. if Dalvin cook goes down, Alexander Madison is like an easy top 10 running back. Uh, I think there were weeks last year without Dalvin where he was probably ranked top three. Mm-hmm. And that happens every year. And it's just because these players are put into such good positions. Uh, and it's not to say Alexander Madison isn't good, but it's just like sometimes that role or like, you know, he's going to get 20 carries that game. Uh, and odds exactly. are he's, they're playing a bad team. So you got that other tier or that other degree of handcuff where you get the Guaranteed value, top tier running back if that starter goes down. And then there's the other guys who are just kind of like more gambles, I would say. Um, So like I just to list a few kind of like Kenneth Gainwell, I would probably say is like probably like the main guy in this kind of group where he is. He may I emphasis on may have standalone value any given week. Uh, but he also may be the starter if like Miles Sanders goes down and Philly's a weird situation because they like to play whoever the head coach is. They like to play several running backs any given week. 
Yeah. But Gainwell, I guess, particularly like he's a guy you're drafting. He's your, you're just like, he could be the starter any given week, or he could just be a great handcuff. Like you're kind of drafting him as he could be something. Um, and that's kind of a handcuff. Like he's somebody you would probably like as somebody who likes to draft your own handcuffs. Uh, Gainwell is probably somebody you're not going to target. You're probably not going to tar- uh, handcuff someone like Naeem Hines. Right. Hines is probably the better example. If anything, God forbid, happened to Jonathan Taylor and goes down, Naeem Hines is most likely the starting running back, but it's probably not like the only running back. Exactly. Uh, like, exactly. like Madison would be. But if like any given week he could have a twenty-five game, twenty-five point performance, maybe even like forty. Like he he has that high upside any given week value, uh, and he's all, it's just like he's not the dedicated backup. Um, exactly. You've you've got a few guys here. Um, you have one in particular that you really like. Um, yes. And I'll I'll let you I'll let you talk through him. He's probably your handcuff of choice. And honestly, we could probably start the year where he is not the handcuff. Uh, take be. it away. Yeah. So first, before I go on my quick little rant here, I want to mention that it is very, very important to know that exactly what you said for everybody watching, there literally are three different tiers of handcuffs. You have your first tier, which we discussed briefly, which those guys aren't really handcuffs. They have standalone value every week. Then you have your second tier of handcuffs, like you said, where as if a guy's going down, that is the guy. That's the guy that's going to be the starting running back. And then you have your third tier that you just mentioned, where if the starting guy goes down, they're going to be the guy, but not the guy. There's going to be a few other guys in the mix. So that is very, very important to understand. So let's go through the examples of the guys that have the standalone value that are handcuffs, but in the way we're talking about them right now and the way we view them, they are not handcuffs. They have standalone value every given week. And here are the guys. We got Tony Pollard, not a handcuff. A.J. Dillon this year, not a handcuff. And Kareem Hunt, not a handcuff. And those are just the three guys we're honing in on, right? So you got Tony Pollard absolute freak he he showed flashes of crazy athleticism 20 point games here and there last year this guy is supposed to be more involved this year uh missing of amari cooper they got a big role to fill he's playing more in the slot throughout training camp already this guy is not a real handcuff you have to draft him and i would draft tony pollard along with my wide receiver three and four because his value is insane And also, kind of like the guys we're going to talk about in Tier 2 with handcuffs, if Zeke Elliott, God forbid, knock on wood, ever goes down, which I I don't believe Zeke's ever missed a game in his career. If he ever goes down, Pollard will be that guy taking every single handcuff or uh, handoff in that backfield, and that would be unbelievable. Without that, though, even Pollard as the backup with a healthy Zeke for the whole year, he will squeak into that RB3 range, definitely, possibly even RB2. Um, so that's that's not a handcuff. A.J. Dillon, same thing. They have a huge hole to fill in that offense, and A.J. Dillon is coming in now 
and he is going to have a very, very important role for this team. Um, I did see a stat today, however, that kind of goes against it, where Aaron Rodgers in the red zone, him and Tua were actually two of the most QBs to throw the ball in the red zone um, within the 10-yard line, actually. Um, So that's a little weird, but I think that there's a lot of room to work there with Dylan. The aspect that he brings to that team and what he did last year putting up points with a healthy Jones, this is another guy that is supposed to have a bigger role in this offense, not a handcuff. Do not draft him as a handcuff. If I had Aaron Jones, I am not drafting A.J. Dillon. If I have Zeke, I'm not drafting Pollard because guess what? At one point, you're going to be looking at both of them and you're going to say, wow, I should probably be playing both of these guys, but I'm not going to. You know, you you don't want to start two running backs on the same team. It's very rare that that ever happens or should happen. Um, And then lastly, Kareem Hunt, another guy, not a handcuff. The guy has standalone value in PPR leagues. The guy is a freak on his own. Let him do his thing, you know, and and it's a little situational. This year he's got uh, the the requesting of the trade just recently a few days ago, and and it totally makes sense. I believe his contract's due soon. Um, and, and he's kind of forcing their hand, either sign me or let me go. Um, so that's something to look out for. But again, that's that example of that first tier of guys that you could draft instead of a bench receiver, because guess what? They might be playing for you. They might be flexing for you. Um, and, and, and I'll leave it at that. Kyle, do you think we missed anybody in that first tier of uh, like not handcuffs? Uh, I guess you could technically add in, and this is going to be more solidified this year. Uh, so this is like a huge question mark, and there's two of them. Uh, and it's Travis Etienne or James Robinson, but it could be either one of them. Uh, and both of the Jets for uh, running backs in Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Uh, and that the only reason there's question marks is because they're both entering the first year where they're both kind of in these offenses. So it could be timeshare. It could be one solid running back and it could be, uh, they, I don't know. It could be any mixture because they're two different teams, two different running backs. Like they're all kind of entering, they're entering the same first year and there's injuries to take into extent. So maybe I, I'd add them to your list just because they're question marks, but like, I guess ETN more specifically, just because he's going to be he, like he's almost guaranteed to have passing volume, um, so I he's probably someone I would add to your list. And then honestly, that may be it. Uh, right. There's potential for. Uh, no, I think that's it. I and in that yeah. tier, at least that's pretty much it. No, yeah, and I I think that covers it. Those are those guys that have standalone value no matter what, and and those are guys that we're stressing. Do not draft as your own handcuff. You definitely don't want to be stuck in that situation, but those are guys that, yeah, you should probably think about drafting them over your bench receiver because why not, you know? They have the upside, a a whole lot more upside than, than your fourth or fifth receiver taken, that's for sure. You're one injury away from having a top 10 back here or there, you know, and we've seen that Kareem Hunt proved it last year. I mean, Tony Pollard and A.J. Dillon, every time they touch the ball, it's something crazy. It's something special. So, you know, um, so that's tier one, not handcuffs. Remember, not handcuffs. Tier two, these are the guys now 
that if the starting running back goes down, they are the guy and there is no committee behind them. And there's a few guys in this one. There's three that I'm going to point out to start here. Um, Started off with Madison. We talked about him briefly here. If Dalvin Cook goes down, there is no committee in Minnesota. That has already been shown. That's already been proven. And, you know, they do have a new offense this year that could change. But Madison is the guy, and they, they're definitely not going to mess around with Cook snaps this year. So Madison is that guy. That's a handcuff that, for me personally, yes, if I draft Dalvin Cook with his injury history, yes, I want to look Alexander Madison before I take a bench receiver. I want to have that security. You know that at some point, um, God forbid, that if Dalvin gets hurt, misses a game or two here or there, which he usually does for maintenance and whatnot, you want to have that guy. You know, you don't want to be playing the wire. That's where I kind of lean more towards. I love the handcuff. Um, but moving on from him, we'll go back to him in a little. Another guy that if this guy gets hurt, this handcuff will be the bona fide starter is Ramadre Stevenson. We just had the news today, of, again, about James White retiring. Uh, fantasy legend. I mean, he, he deserves his full circle. Like, absolute legend. If Damian Harris goes down, and there's already weird rumors out there. I'm sure you've heard about trade rumors and stuff like that. And, oh, they're okay with moving them. And who knows how real that is. We'll see very shortly here in a few months or so um but stevenson is that guy he was unbelievable last year and he's already proven that he has the hands to to get the job done for what they want to do there so i mean that's another guy that if harris goes down he is going to be the bell cow there is no committee behind him there is nothing else and lastly um Oh, there's a few. There's a few more on this list. There, there actually are a few more in this Here, list. I'll, but... I'll list a few. I'll list a few, and then I'll let you talk about your guy. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. But I want to mention like another few others in this tier where it's man, front runner goes down, backup is the guy. There's no committee. You've explained it perfectly. Uh, but like Melvin Gordon, if Javon anything happens to Javante, Melvin Gordon is a bona fide like top fifteen guy. Uh, Daryl Henderson, anything happens to Akers, uh, you you never know. Uh, still coming back from that injury. Uh, we know he was the main guy, but that's because uh, Henderson was hurt in the playoffs. So there, there's question marks there, but I think he's the sole guy. Uh, and the one that I want to highlight is uh, Khalil Herbert. He's a guy, oh man, he's somebody I am like actively targeting in the late rounds just because I think he is probably one of my favorite handcuffs and he i think is not being valued in that regard probably just because people see the bears offense and think they're going to be trash and they will be but points points can still be made there uh we saw Khalil herbert last year step in for montgomery and he balled out i think he was a, a top four running back i think is what it was uh, i don't have that top of hand but he was he was great uh and you were very happy you had him if montgomery went down Oh, yeah. He's somebody who is kind of in that tier, and there's a few, there's a few others, but you kind of get the gist. Uh, and then I'll let Mike step back in and talk about his guy. So I was honestly going to talk about um, Daryl Henderson. That that's who I was oh, going to hold really? it on. That was going to be my guy. But you could also throw in this category 
Kenneth Walker. And this is that's, my go-to guy. You were excited yes. about this guy. I thought this was the one you were hyping up. Yeah, so this is. I was hyping him up is. for you. <laughs> I was going to save the best for last. But, yes, Kenneth Walker, man, this is a guy I am not leaving any drafts without. I will take Kenneth Walker above my wide receiver three this year. I will do it. This guy, you're already it, – it's week one of camp, and Rashad Penny is already resting. He's got the veteran – Injury designation, which probably isn't a real injury, but he probably tweaked it on a little drill and was like, you know what? It's probably safe to sit out. No, that that always leads to disaster. And I've been preaching since the the before the NFL draft, months before, as you can go back in our videos, check out my Twitter name below. Kenneth Walker is my number one running back in this draft class, and I feel like everybody missed on him, man. This dude is going to be sick in that offense. Uh, Pete Carroll today in training camp said that his main thing with his rookie running backs and anybody that plays in that backfield is they have to pass block. And Pete Carroll was praising Kenneth Walker's pass blocking today, and that's just given me the green light in my head. I'm starting to go nuts over here. Kenneth Walker is someone that I will not leave any drafts without because I know that team runs the ball. They're dedicated to running the ball, and this man is a freak. Watch the film, man. I am so excited on Kenneth Walker. Um, this is probably one of those guys that if even if I find myself taking Penny a round before, two rounds before, whatever his ADP is around there, I will take Walker with him. Walker, I'd rather take Walker than Penny, for the record, uh, a round later. But Walker is a guy that I'm not leaving any of my drafts without. If he gets taken, we're going to have issues with anybody in the league. That's just my mindset on him this year. He's a freak athlete. He's ready to go. And, man, I am so excited to see him in a run-first offense, man. And, and I could probably go on for another 20 minutes, but uh, we could always revisit this video, Kyle, in a few months when Kenneth Walker uh, really shows out. I'm already taking notes on where you're talking about this, so we can we can return. Don't you worry. Nice. All right. And then going back to these tiers, so I guess the third tier that there is are the running backs that if the starter were to go down, there will most likely be a committee to an extent. Mm -hmm. But they also too, kind of off and on have their own standalone value, uh, but they're very hit or, hit or miss unless they kind of get thrusted into the spotlight. And these are guys like Naeem Hines, J.D. JD McKissick, Kenneth Gainwell, where any given week they could catch like the two passes that go for 80 yards and two touchdowns, uh, but are probably more likely, or if the starter were to go down, then that's when they kind of step into glory and they can have kind of the backfield to themselves or at least a larger share of the backfield touches. Um, and that's that kind of, those are the weird handcuffs where they're not quite like the Tony Pollard's or AJ, Dil uh, AJ Dillon's, but they're kind of like right below that where they can have value, but you might not know which weeks to start them unless the starter goes down. Um, but yeah, and I mentioned Naeem Hines and McKissick, but I'll also add in, uh, yeah, like James Cook this year is looking to be in that role. He was almost drafted as like the JD McKissick replacement that Buffalo wasn't able to sign. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and Kenneth Gainwell. And there's a bunch of other guys on this li- on in this tier. Um, exactly. And you may as well tie in almost every other team in the league in this tier. Like yep. the guy behind Saquon Barkley, there is no guy. It's a committee. Yeah. Uh, the guy behind Christian McCaffrey, there is no guy. You got Foreman and Hubbard who – Hubbard, Hubbard did show some promise last year. I don't think they're going to kick him to the curve, uh, but I do think Foreman has that upper edge, which we've mentioned a few times on here. Um, so, yeah, like every other team in the NFL you're looking at, if that guy goes down, it's a committee. And, yeah, some weeks you're going to play the handcuff, and he might not do that well. It's kind of a pick and choose, kind of have to see if you can get as much information as possible about the game plan. Um, which always really isn't easy at all. That's just fantasy football for you. Um, but yeah, and that's that's a great point. Like that second tier of handcuffs is where the real handcuffs start, and then this third tier is like, yes, these are actually guys that you should have a starting lineup before you think about these guys. You don't want to draft any of these handcuffs before your third wide receiver or before your tight end. Or before your quarterback, unless you're you're crazy like that, then definitely send us some screenshots or something. We'll, we'll we'd love to check them out. But um, yeah, so you guys get the idea. But Kyle, yeah, you basically nailed it with those four. Uh, those are some of the premier ones that um, you you would want to look to if their guy ever went down. Um, another one as well, uh, the running backs in San Fran. Um, if Mitchell ever goes down. It's going to be a committee, and we've seen that. We've already seen that happen. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's like all these other teams, man, it's like they don't have that guy, so you're going to have to pick and choose. And that's why it's important with this third tier. Do not draft any of them before a starter. These are definitely bench guys, but these are guys that could have great trade value. Um, say, say Singletary goes down, and it's a competition between James Cook and Zach Moss. Yeah, I'm probably te- I'm probably texting a few people around the league like, hey, man, I got the starter, you know, and, and that's that's good trade value, you know, and that's always great to have. And who knows, maybe one of these guys pops off, he becomes the actual RB2, and then you have a starter, you know. So these are definitely those late round guys, and I love I love the four examples you use there. Um, all pa- uh, pass catching backs as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I think that definitely adds, obviously, a adds to their value but yeah you kind of what if i'm drafting late running backs like that late they're gonna be guys that can catch the ball because otherwise you're just drafting a guy who is going to carry the ball and that that doesn't lead to a lot of fantasy points um so if i'm drafting in the back like back end of drafts i'm getting guys with upside mm-hmm. primarily running running back rushing running backs are that's not it Exactly. And and as we're talking here really quick, I'm thinking Cardinals as well. James Conner is that guy. God forbid he goes down. You got Eno Benjamin. Um, I believe you have another rookie there. And then you have, I believe, Daryl Williams. Or is it Daryl? I think Daryl's there. I believe it's Daryl. Um, I'm going to double check that as well because I know that they have a new guy there as well. And I'm sorry I forgot your name. Uh, I'll remember in a second here. Let's take a look here. But, yeah, um, guys like that, and there's so many other teams in the league. Um, you, you have the Ravens as well. God forbid J.K. Dobbins goes down again. You know, Gus Edwards was supposed to be the guy last year, but Gus Edwards is very limited, I believe, 
believe in what he could do pass catching wise. Um, so I believe that they would eventually get Mike Davis involved there and they'd have a few guys going as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's very interesting, but for the most part, I think we covered the important ones that it's so important to know this with fantasy football, that there are handcuffs and then there are not handcuffs. And, and I hope this kind of laid it out for you guys to give you guys a good idea of like where you should be drafting Pollard hunt. Um, and I'm forgetting already, uh, AJ Dillon and then those other guys as well. So it's a huge difference. Some important that you should definitely um, take note of. And, and I hope that uh, section clears it up, but I, man, I was, uh, I was excited to talk about these handcuffs today, man, especially my boy, my boy Walker. Oh, I know you were excited. <laughs> All right. Pivoting away from handcuff running backs, uh, draft them or do not. It is entirely up to you. Everybody's allowed to have their different strategies. Um, we're just here to help you know the different options. Uh, pivoting away though, Mike, I've, I'm curious. Like if you're in a draft, who is – I'm going to ask two questions, I guess. Who is somebody you, like, cannot leave your draft without and, like, you're targeting him? Like, you're going in and you're just like, I need this guy. And then who is somebody where you're, like, uh, at cost, at their current ADP, you are ignoring. Like, you're just – you're not even considering him. It could be, like, five picks after that guy is there. Like, you know how – you see it every year. The guy that sits there at like 36 and it's pick 45 now. And you're just like, oh, he's still there. Who's somebody you would see there and be like, ah, nope, definitely not. You know, I'm going to give you a fast answer here because I got it. DJ Moore, guy I absolutely love. Love him. I, I need him. I want him. The ADP is perfect. I think he's going to exceed it. And he's being drafted in probably the early third round right now, late third round. And a guy I'm fading is right behind him, Deontay Johnson. I do Ooh. not want anything to do with him at that ADP for a few reasons. And I'll start with Deontay, why I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit scared because, one, I don't have 100% faith in that team yet. I do think Mitch is going to impress some people and shut some people up this year on the field. Um, maybe it's winning games. Fantasy-wise, eh, I'm not sold yet. I got to see it. I also believe that Fryermuth is going to be a bigger red zone threat, and I don't think Deontay sees touchdowns this year. Um, and lastly, my last reason, I think the emergence of George Pickens scares me as well. Guy's getting great hype out of camp. He's another one we could have thrown up there with the hype he's getting. Guy's an animal. Um, it's got to translate. Obviously, we got to see some on film before we start saying anything. But right now, he's working in with the ones, and that scares me. Apparently, Claypool is going to get the boot to the bench here. Um, they were able to work out a two-year deal with Deontay, but I'm not sold, and I want nothing to do with him at that ADP. So he is a major fade for me this year. I know he has a lot of hype, but he's being drafted right next to DJ Moore, and I think maybe that's why I love him even more. No pun intended. That guy, I think, is a freak, man. You talk about like what he could do on a football field. I think if they could finally pull it together this year with a healthy CMC and have a meaningful season, I think we're going to see him back in his prime years, which I still think he's got a few left, and I think he's going to be a huge part of this offense. 
huge part of it. So I think there's going to be a little bit more QB competition. Obviously, it really hasn't mattered who's been his QB over the past few years. Um, he's made it work with a washed-up cam here and there. Um, Darnold, even last year, he was balling out. I'm excited for him this year, and I'm buying the ADP of the early third round, late third round, anywhere in the third round. Give me DJ Moore, man. That's that's some great value. I think he fits right in there with those top 10, 15 receivers being drafted in the late first, early second. I'm, I'm totally sold on him. So I'm, I'll leave it at that. I'm fading Deontay Johnson. I hate the third-round ADP, and I love DJ Moore. Kyle, who are you loving this year, and who are you not touching this year? I'm going to start with who I am not touching uh, at cost. It could be this could at the right price, and I can say this about any player. At the right price, I would draft almost anybody. But where he's at and kind of the surrounding players, I want nothing to do with Cam Akers. I think, and I mentioned this earlier, I'm not high on him. I think he, I mean, what we saw in the playoffs, which is basically all we saw of him last year, was tons of usage. He was, like He was the only guy getting the ball, uh, at least in the backfield. Everybody else was getting the ball. But he had tons of carries and was doing absolutely nothing with them. Uh, he did what he was meant to be doing, which was just kind of run the clock, uh, get the ball two yards, and that that's all he was doing. And I don't really want that. Like, yeah, he's a year he's a year more removed from the injury, from the Achilles injury. But at the same time, I, I training camp, we've been hearing a lot of excitement about Daryl Henderson. Uh, and that worries me. Be, not worries me, but that just tells me like that's going to be more of a timeshare. And I think where you're drafting, where, where Cam Akers is currently being drafted is in a spot where you want him to be the lone guy. And I don't think that's going to be the case. And I won't be drafting Cam Akers uh, at the spot, at any spot, knowing that, uh, thinking he's going to be the only guy. Because he's not going to be. I think it's going to be an Akers-Henderson timeshare. Um. And I think his price doesn't show that. So I'm out on Acres. Um, and then the guy that I'm in on, like super in, is another guy we talked about earlier, Brandon Ayuk. I I think he's being drafted at an immense value. I I mean, I'm looking at last year's numbers, and for the second half of the season, he was the I had it here, RB seven or wide receiver seventeen. And he's currently being drafted as the wide receiver 40. I think he's going to be, I think this offense is going to be better with Trey Lance at, as the starter. I, I think if not, it's going to be the same and he's going to be better than wide receiver 40. Uh, just because Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't great. Um, I think we're, I, I think this offense is going to take a huge step forward. And then you add in the, the best friend boost uh, with Trey Lance. And I think you get a fantastic value in Brandon Ayuk. So he's somebody, I mean, you're getting him at the start of the eighth round, late seventh. I'm, I'm happily taking Ayuk as my third receiver, maybe even fourth. And that's like, I'm, that's a no brainer. I, 
I'd be very comfortable, and I can I'll go on record saying I'd be very comfortable with Ayuk as my wide receiver too. Um, and I you're getting him much cheaper than that, and he's somebody I am I'm drafting and constantly having to tell myself not to draft him because I can't have too much of him, but I want that much. I think he's going to have a great year. Yeah, and listen, I want to comment on your picks because I agree and love both of them. I want to say first, going back to Cam Akers, that Cam Akers is being drafted as RB20 right next to Travis Etienne, and that does not feel right at all. You know, we're so high on Etienne this year and his upside. I don't see the same for Akers, and I personally think he's lost a step since the injury. Hopefully he recovers. I wish him the best. We'll see what happens this year. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree with you there. Not touching Cam Akers and wide receiver 40. That was a shock to me. I, I did not know that that's where he was being taken off the board. This man had an unbelievable second half of the year last year after he got over whatever Shanahan was punishing him with. Um, wow. Wide receiver 40, man. We were just talking about handcuffs and the different tiers and where, yeah, the, the tier three of the handcuffs we would not take over a flex or something like that. Like, Ayuk is being drafted right after you should have a starting lineup already, and that is ridiculous, man. Like, just imagine waiting on, waiting on receivers. If he was my wide receiver, too, I would be comfortable as well. You know, the, the wide receivers are so deep, man. You're getting them in the eighth round? Oh, man. I, I didn't know that, so I was, I was a little shocked as well. But, yes, I, I absolutely love – Love both of those picks as well. I'm on board. I am so happy to hear that, Mike. Uh, it's a pleasure to have somebody on my team. Um, but yeah, I, same sentiment to you. I am fully on board with your guys. Uh, maybe not more. I don't think I'd take him. Oh, you know what? I think I'm evenly on board with you. Uh, I like the DJ more hype. I think he's going to have a better offense to help boost him. Uh, but Deontay, I think I'm a little bit in on this year. Um, mm, okay. So okay. I, I might disagree. I think I'm a pretty big disagree with you there. I like more. I, I'm thinking about it more. I like more and I like Johnson. So I'm not fading Johnson. Gotcha, so you're gotcha. close. You're close. 50, 50, but very glad that you could agree with my picks. Cause they were right. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, I think we're, it's time to wrap up. Mike, I love talking football with you. Dude, I could I could do it 24-7. And thank you, anybody and everybody, for tuning in. Um, just some housekeeping here, though. Um, Got to keep these lights on somehow. Um, for jumping into Underdog, and we hope you are, uh, use code FIRSTSEED. Uh, it is – I'm constantly drafting there. I know Mike is, too. Uh, sometimes we bump into each other in a random draft room. But it's it's best ball, and it's the best part of fantasy football where you draft a team and then you ignore it. You don't have to set your lineups throughout the season. You just kind of you draft. You figure out where people are going. It's a fantastic way to figure out where you're, like where redraft leagues are going to be drafting. But then that's it. You draft and you ignore it, and then who knows? At the end of the season, you could win up to I think two million dollars if you're jumping in the for the best ball mania. So that's I. Do it. Uh, if you use code first seed, you get a bonus up to one hundred dollars. It's basically a de deposit match. So if you put in 
100 bucks, you get a free 100 bucks. And then look at that. You spend 100 to get and play around with $200. It's fun. It's fantastic. I, I love it. And I know Mike does too. Big time. And then other spot, spot this is a new one. And we are amped about it. Check out Manscaped. I'm sure you've heard of it. And if you haven't, it's a fantastic product. Uh, Mike and I have both given it a shot, uh, and I am actually looking forward to using it again. Uh, you know, it helps you clean up uh, in your your groin area. I'll just say that, <laughs> but keeps you clean. Keeps you. It, it's manscaping. Um, use code first seed and you get twenty percent off of your order. I think that's every order, and that's I, why not. It's cool. It's fun, and the ladies will love it, and they'll love you for it. Um, Take advantage of that. Again, use code for seed and you get 20% off. Um, and I think, oh, and then obviously follow us on the socials. You got at first seed fantasy on Instagram at first seed sports on Twitter. And then if I can show this, I'm at Kyle Krajewski on Twitter. And Mike is at M Del Corso underscore on Twitter. Uh, follow us there. Find us. We're constantly tweeting nonsense and random stats that, are pretty cool. Yeah, it's 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 about that go time. Everybody's going to start drafting soon. If you guys have draft questions, anything like that, I mean, we love talking football. Just you could DM us, you could add us. Let's get going. Let's start talking, start discussing. You know, and, and the most important thing is we're not always right. No one's always right. Let's bounce some ideas off of each other. If you have a thought here or there, if you disagree with some, let's hear it and uh, let's get going, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to it's draft season. Best part of the year. I love it. It just means football's here and I I'm pumped. Um, But again, thank you for tuning in uh, and we'll talk next week. All right. See you guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to the first seed fantasy podcast till next time. Till next time. 